Stop Horror Time contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Podcast where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, plus if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns, and I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Kate. <laughs> Hi. So, you want to introduce the movie? You picked it. Yes. Alright, so... This week, we are going back into the 1990s, the early 1990s, uh, with the very first film made, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, it's called Kronos, and it is a wonderful film. His directorial debut. Debut. His debut. His debut. <laughs> and it's one of my more recent favorites that I was... So very glad I watched just out of a curiosity of seeing it since I had seen it on his film list. Mm. And it still holds up today, I think. And it's also the first uh, collaboration with him and Ron Perlman. Uh, He would go on. Yeah. He'd go on to star in uh, Pacific Rim um, and Hellboy, which was also with. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, and I'm still pissed that Hollywood said no to the third oh, Hellboy movie, but then rebooted it. Rest in so. fucking pieces. Ugh. Fuck you, Hollywood. But whatever, it's fine. Yeah, but, it's okay. But we're not here to talk about fake Hellboy. We're not giving it that energy. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just start this off then by saying I, how amused I am at Ron Perman's ability to just, like, mosey his way into foreign language films even though he is, is English speaking and doesn't speak these languages like he's like he's in City of Lost Children and he gets by on that because it's wait, does mm-hmm. he, it's been a while I don't think he speaks French in that he's just there and he's a big guy so they yeah. need a big guy and then in this he's literally just like in a Spanish speaking country and it, like well I, I find the scene when he goes into the shop interesting because and it's about, like, this is probably how I would be if I ever went to a Spanish-speaking country where, like, he's speaking English, but they're responding to him in Spanish, and he'll just say, like, sometimes, yeah. like, a random Spanish phrase that he might know, but they both understand each other, because even though, even if you, like, can understand a language, you can't always speak it as well. And so I find that exchange, like, really yeah. interesting. But, like, come on. Yeah. He's just gonna mosey his way into these movies. Um, we should probably say what it's about, by the way. Um, yeah. Um. So, it's a vampire movie. It's about, so, it follows this, um, this old antiques dealer named Jesus, and his, his, like, granddaughter that he's raising. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has, like, great, like, kid performances when he has kids in this, and so I'm like, oh, she doesn't really even talk either, but she's just... She's so cute. <laughs> like she has a presence in the movie, definitely yeah. though. Like and um so he comes across in his store this like artifact that 
if anyone has seen JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's kind of like Dio's mask in that. <laughs> like, when I watch JoJo, I'm like, is this Kronos? Is this, like, is this thing that, like, there's a bug inside and it, like, stabs you and makes you a vampire somehow? I'm so, I've seen, I've seen this mm-hmm. twice and I'm still not sure how exactly it works, but, cause, so, it get, like, and Ron Perlman, the Pearl, is after it. Um, because his dad wants it for eternal life. His dad is, like, dying. Um, so, so what yeah. I just thought, like, I just thought this was an interesting take on vampire lore, because most vampire stories are, like, they're young, it's all about young people and, like, keeping that youth, but in this, it's about two men that are, like, at the end of their life, and, like, one of them is, like, really greedy and clinging for this thing that will make, give, make him immortal, and with Jesus, it's more of a seduction. Like, first it's an accident, and he's like, actually, that was kind of cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow, I want to do that. That's cool, that's I guess. Oh my god, the scene, there is a scene, y'all, who haven't seen it, where, like, uh, <laughs> this guy, like, has a nosebleed at a party he's at, so he falls into the bathroom because he wants the blood. And it, it's, it gets, like, it gets comedic because, like, he's about to. He's about to do it to him, and then this other guy comes in, and he's like, oh, there's blood on here, and just wipes it off with his bare hands. I'm like, I guess y'all don't care about shit here, huh? <laughs> so there's... <laughs> did not, not care. care. Um, and then he just there's a little droplet from the bathroom floor, and he's just licking it, and I'm like, oh my god, like, limitless whom. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who remembers the Bradley Cooper movie Lim- Limitless, where he drinks blood, it's kind of like that. <laughs> Jesus. But um. Uh. Yes. Just. No, I was reading on the IMDb page about the reason why, like, everybody's speaking Spanish, but Ron Perlman's just like not. Oh, please tell and, me. And um, apparently, he originally was. Uh, speaking Spanish in the film because Rod Perlman was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, but Grimo was like, well, your footage is unusable because <laughs> I can't really understand, apparently. And so... Drag her! <laughs> drag him. Um, and so Grimo was like, well, why don't we make you like this American who just hates being in Mexico. And so whenever he does <laughs> use like Spanish, he's doing it like super sarcastically and like terribly mm. yeah and he's like yeah. he's working for his uncle yeah his uncle his dad oh it's his uncle yeah wow okay i was like i can't remember Bobby. his uncle or his dad i think it was well it was like his he was the next this is the damon albarn of this episode his <laughs> he was like the next person to get like his inheritance from his uh yeah yeah his uh the guy that wants the the chronos object because like he's the direct heir to it and that's why he puts up like mm-hmm. with all this abuse that he's subjected to by this guy um and his name's uh i think it's on hell or it's angel um ron perlman yeah uh and he's just like completely <laughs> <The irony. laughs> just done with everything with this entire business just all the time and a and obsessed with getting a nose job. <laughs> I guess that's, like, the first thing he's gonna do when he gets some of that money. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that, that also ties into the theme of, like, you know, external Green. appearance and everything and the shallowness yeah. of it all. 
Like, all the bad people in this really care about their external appearance, and like, Jesus kind of does, because by the end he's, like, rotting. <laughs> it becomes like a death becomes her situation, the cruel irony of, like, being immortal, but you, you're still prone to, like, your body being damaged, because, like, he gets in the- Yeah. He gets thrown off a cliff in a car. He's literally- <laughs> He's like, oh. He's, like, sewn up to- for the funeral. He's- I d- yeah. How did he, um, get out of that box for the- when they were gonna, um, cremate him. I think he, like, just snuck out. He's just low-key. <laughs> he was just like, bye, and he was, I, he was out. I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> Alright. I really love about this movie with the vampire changes that happen. It's, like, really gradual, and it's yeah. not like, you know, all their own overnight, he suddenly is a vampire. Yeah. And when he has, like, his resurrection after he's, like, killed... Mm-hmm. Air quotes in the car accident, like his skin starts coming off. Yeah, oh, and like, yeah. and there's new skin the underneath. Oh. Yeah, I love that. So, like, it reminds me almost of like werewolf transformations, where they'll like take their skin <gasps> yeah. off, and I'm like, oh my god, Ooh, right. vampires doing it now. Looking um, And his granddaughter's like not scared of him, like this entire yeah. time. Oh my god, she's super chill about it. She like understands. Like the second she's like, oh, I, oh, I see. I got yeah. it. I, oh, I I'd be traumatized if I watched my grandpa like shed his own skin. I'd be like, oh. Apparently, like on his forehead, when it first started to like comes off in like the shape of like a beetle or something, mm. which I think is on the Chronos device. The bugs, because uh, the the bugs, because um, <laughs> inside the Chronos uh, device, there's like the bug that you mentioned. Um, that injects that solution that was created uh-huh. by the alchemist at the beginning of the movie. Um, and the only way to really kill somebody that has gotten the solution injected into them is either by uh, destroying the device mm-hmm. or being pierced through the yeah. heart, which is how the original alchemist dies in like the late 1940s, early 50s. And then it gets hollowed, put into the hollow uh, angel statue where uh, Jesus later finds it. Hi, Belle. My cat. Oh, no. You can't be in here. You can't be loud. I'm recording. She's doing a lot better with her insulin now, and they love the new food that my parents gave them, and now she's hungry all the time. Cat. That's your your Elle's cat update of the week, y'all. She's looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the cat update. I got three of them. So, these are my needy babies that I have. So, maybe if I just don't look at yeah. her, she'll just, like, sit down and just stay there for a bit. So, um, but no, yeah, this, I just love this movie so much. Um, and I'm yeah. so glad that Criterion put it on their collection, yeah. as well as Pan's Labyrinth and uh, Devil's Backbone. And Pan's Labyrinth is amazing. I just love Guillermo del Toro so much. He truly is one of my favorite directors of all time. And I'm super excited for his Pinocchio uh, movie that's supposed to be coming out either, I think, next year. Because it's going to be stopped. So that's going to take some is time. Is he directing it like, or producing it? It looks. Oh, wait, okay. He's directing it. Yes, yeah, I'm so ready. It's his first uh, stop motion. Uh, 
film that he's directing, and I am super stoked. Yeah. It looks so much like something that he would like have his hand in, as well as like the design, because um, it's just super weird. And I'm excited to see where like the most messed up part of that entire tale, like the the island where the boys go to Oof. and turn into donkeys. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> oh yeah, how's that gonna look? That was such a childhood trauma thing. This isn't the, ant- yeah, this I the animated I version alone. I don't remember like, the movie well, but, I, like, the ride is fucking terrifying. <laughs> the, it's just, the witch just keeps <laughs> popping out at you. <laughs> the ride is so scary. <laughs> God. Oh, why did my parents <laughs> take me on that when I was super young? Like, my parents took me on so many questionable rides when I was young. And let me see, like, young horror yeah. movies. Even though they didn't mean to, that's my sister's friend's uh, oh fault for showing me Jaws when I was like six. So I've heard a lot of people say that that, that like Disney movies uh, or villains anyways. specifically can be like their gateway into horror, <laughs> and like kids' movies in general mm-hmm. back in the day yeah, used to I have more horror elements. I think that's why a lot of people responded to like the house with the clock on his walls because you know. Taylor Roth was very inspired by that kind of mm-hmm. era. Like, I've heard like Return to Oz comparisons and stuff. And you know how those get like really dark. They, they don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that reminds me of um, scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh hell That's yeah! Out. Is Guillermo's producing that, that right? Was, yeah, he produced that oh, one. Yeah. And like the original books, which I own, like. I own the three um, in their original form and then, like, the treasury version to give to my nephew when he's old enough to. Because I read those when I was in, like, first grade. And, like, the stories don't really stick with you as much as the illustrations did. Like, I still can picture the lady with, like, the hole in her cheeks so vividly. And then on the 30th anniversary of these books being made, they changed the illustrations Oh no! Like, what shit is this? It's awful. They're so bad in comparison. I'm like, this isn't even the same things because like this is not memorable at all. And I think it's okay to let kids see these kind of things because it's like it's not yeah. gonna like completely ruin them. And if it's not for them, they're gonna put it down, obviously. Yeah. But like, there's no harm in like letting your kids see, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark books or like the original, you know. Disney movies because you know, there may be some elements of like, oh, that's kind of dark, yeah. but it didn't like. I'm fine, obviously. <laughs> I'm not like it's it's kind of it's sometimes it's good for kids. So you know, parents yeah. today. Please, Although I did accidentally scare my cousin's time. child last weekend because we. <laughs> I, was, you well, do? Okay, I guess I'm bad at this because I'm like I, I treat kids like adults not in like a creepy way but like I talk to them like you know I don't talk to them yeah. like are you a little baby and like I and usually oh I think they respect that you know but I went too far because like we were at this like um pizza arcade place and like playing the Jurassic Park game and having we had a great time you know gotta shoot the mm-hmm. dinosaurs but it was really difficult and the dinosaurs like got to us I'm like oh no we're dead like the game's over and she's like it like hit her way too hard and she's like this game's too scary <laughs> like it went <laughs> and I'm like I'm sorry we could go play pinball now <laughs> so maybe I 
Go play some DDR, yeah. man. So maybe you shouldn't tell a five-year-old that, oh, we died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> They're no, not going to handle over. it like, uh, like Aurora in Kronos, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you loop it back. Exception. All right. <laughs> All right, so um, yes. should, what's the uh, true crime case of the week that, relating to this? Well, this true crime, like, obviously... We don't have somebody becoming a what? vampire. But he was... <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but we do have a man who is known as the Vampire mm. of Sacramento because he was known to drink his victim's blood and cannibalize mm-hmm. their remains. Um, his name is Richard Chase. He was born in 1950 and he died in 1980 uh, from a overdose uh suicide Mm. overdose in prison so he uh was bad Mm. childhood abused by his parents he exhibited all like you know the symptoms of like the becomings of a serial killer uh which included the cruelty to animals and when he was uh in his adolescence he was said to be a heavy drug user as well so obviously you know that doesn't help at all um, he developed, uh, hypochondria, which is the, uh, condition there, like, you're excessively unduly worried about having a serious illness, so he would, like, complain that his heart was occasionally, like, stopping, it's, like, it would not beat, uh, or that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery, and he would also, like, hold oranges on his head. Because uh, he believed that the vitamin C would be absorbed by his brain <gasps> sure. due to diffusion, and that he believed his cranial bones had become separated and were moving around, so he shaved his head to be able to watch this happen. Um, and he left his apartment, I think, when he was probably in his late teens. Um, he left for an apartment from his mom's house. Uh, he thought that she was trying to poison him. Um, his roommates that he had with this apartment complained that he was constantly high on like alcohol, marijuana, LSD, and that he'd walk around the apartment nude even when company was over. Um, so the roommates like wanted him gone, and when he refused, they decided they just were going to move out instead. And then, so once he was alone, he began to like capture, kill, and disembowel various animals, which he then would devour raw. Um, sometimes he'd mix the raw organs with Coca-Cola in a blender and drink it. Um, he believed that by ingesting these, he was preventing his heart from shrinking. So, yeah, this is... Now, medically, did that do anything to help him? (laughs) Okay. I was like, what if he's onto something? (laughs) Um, no. God, no. Um, so in, like, 1973... Um, he was mm-hmm. institutionalized, um, and in 1976, he was involuntarily committed to a mental institution after he was taken to a hospital, um, after oh. injecting rabbit's blood into his veins. Um, they, the hospital staff nicknamed him Dracula because of his blood fixation. Um, he also broke the necks of two birds he caught through the window of the institution and drank their blood. And he also extracted blood from therapy dogs with stolen syringes. He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. um, And after undergoing 
treatments involving psychotropic drugs. Uh, he was deemed no longer a danger to society. And later on in 1976, he was released into his mom's custody. Oh my god. This is great. Uh, his mom no! weaned him off his medication. Sis! And got him in his own apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had roommates yeah. again, but then they eventually left from the same stuff going on. So that was great. Um, so in late, later investigations that were happening in like the mid-1990s, 1977, uh, he was found on a reservation in the Pyramid Lake area, and his body was smeared with blood, and a bucket of blood was found in his truck, and it was cow's blood, but and no charges were filed. So, in December, on the 29th, in 1977, he killed his first known victim in a drive-by shooting. Uh, Ambrose Griffin was a 51-year-old engineer and the father of two. He didn't do anything to him. He just killed him and drove on. Um, two weeks later, he tried to enter the home of a woman, um, but because her doors were locked, he walked away. Uh, he told detectives when he was arrested after all it was said and done, that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcomed, but unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. Uh, he was once caught and chased off by a couple returning home after he pilfered their belongings, and he'd also urinated and uh, shit on their infant child's <sighs> bed and clothing. So, obviously doing great off the drugs, aren't we? So then in January 23rd of 1978, he broke into a house and shot Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant at the time, and he shot her three times. Um, this is getting kind of gross. He had sex with her corpse while stabbing her with a butcher knife. He then removed multiple organs, cut off one of her nipples, and drank her blood. He then stuffed dog feces from her yard down her throat before leaving. And then, on January 27th, he entered the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Miroth, uh, he encountered her friend, Danny Meredith, who he shot with his handgun, uh, then took Meredith's wallet and car keys. He then fatally shot Meredith, her six-year-old son, Jason, and her 22-month-old nephew, David Ferrer Ferraria? Ferraria? I think I'm saying that right. I hope so. Um, before he mutilated her body and engaged in necrophilia and cannibalism with her corpse. The... A visitor's knock on the door startled him, uh, so he fled in her car, taking the 22-month-old body with him. Uh, the visitor alerted a neighbor who called police, and they discovered that Chase had left perfect handprints and shoe imprints in her blood in the house. Uh, Chase was arrested shortly afterwards, and the police who searched Chase's apartment found that the walls, floor, ceiling, refrigerator, and all of Chase's eating and drinking Ish. utensils were soaked in blood. So... And 1979, he stood on trial on six counts of murder. And in order to avoid the death penalty, the defense tried to have him found guilty of second-degree murder, which would result in a life sentence. Uh, their case hinged on the history of mental illness and suggests that his crimes were not premeditated. But the jury was not having it because on May 8th, they found him guilty of six counts of first-degree murder and rejected the argument that he was not guilty by reason of insanity and sentenced him to die by the gas chamber. So that was still uh, still around for use. Um, yeah, his fellow inmates were aware of his violent nature and they feared him God. so much Same. that they often try. Yeah. 
they often tried to convince Chase to commit suicide mm. because they feared him so much. Um, he was granted a series of interviews with Robert Ressler, uh, during which he spoke his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill to keep himself alive, which he believed any person would do. Uh, he asked Ressler to give him access to a radar gun with which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs so that the Nazis could stand trial for the murders. And he also hand, handed Ressler a large amount of macaroni and cheese, which he had been hoarding in his pants pockets, believing the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him with poison food. So, again, the mm-hmm. medication not being there, his paranoid schizophrenia was just going off the charts. And on December 26, 1980, Chase was found in his cell, uh, not breathing. An autopsy found that he committed suicide with an overdose of prescribed antidepressants that he had saved over several weeks. And that is the Empire of Sacramento. He has been um, used in a lot of media. Uh, the film Rampage was based on Chase's crimes. He's been mentioned in several uh, TV series, CSI, Criminal Minds, uh, the BBC crime drama Luther, and he was also the focus of uh, two episodes for the podcast, the last podcast on the left, uh, 246 and 247, so hey, we're not the first ones to cover him. Uh, He's also been... Yeah, take uh, take that, guys. Take it. (laughs) He's also been in uh, a video game. There's an identification card with his identity on it in the video game Deadlight. Um, he's been mentioned in music, and he's also in uh, books oh. such as Joe Nesbo's 2017 novel Thirst, which is like an example of vampirism, and uh, Lieutenant Ray Biondi, who led the investigation in the Chase case, uh, wrote an account of the murders called Dracula Killer, uh, which was published in 1992 <laughs> as well. So he's pretty popular, <laughs> despite everything. Yeah, this this guy was pretty crazy. So thankfully, <laughs> our guy in Kronos is a good old man who did not commit these kinds of murders. Yeah, oh like God, you see like, his moral struggle, like he just tries to like you know like blot up a bathroom or like I actually, <laughs> and then like there's a point where like you know he's struggling to not when uh, yeah. Aurora like cuts her finger and he's like oh. <laughs> but uh, he's able to f- to fight his urges. Yeah, like he's struggling obviously with this change that's going through him, and like he's trying not to get in because of like he's human. But at the same time, like eventually, what he's becoming yeah. takes over and completes the transformation. But he still tries to be good because at the end he does a confrontation with. Yeah. Um, Angel and ends up killing of- him <laughs> with like a self sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Self sacrifice. Um, and he eventually does um, destroy the device because that was supposed to, like, if you destroyed it, it's going to, mm-hmm. like, you're going to die. Um, but he's still alive and he believes that God had granted him the life to live without the device for doing the self sacrifice to keep Angel away from his granddaughter. Um, but the ending is extremely ambiguous because he's like lying um, on a bed waiting for like the mm-hmm. sunlight to hit him because it burned his skin before and he's seeing if the effects are gone away, but it's unknown whether or not he's still a vampire. 
or if he's back to human form. <laughs> and I hope that he is, I want but to I don't you. know. It's, I honestly you don't know. know. Like, you can't, you can't put old people in horror movies because I'm going to care too much about their well-being. I'm like, no, it's just an old man. <laughs> I know. Oh, you're, you're going to love it, Devil's Backbone. Then. We watched it together. Yeah. Oh, you got really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. I have no yeah, me memory too. of anything ever, so I like, have to be reminded of these things. This exchange just happened to me with other people. <laughs> like, I watched that with you, and I'm like, oh, oops. Some, like, like I had a preface, some, like, yeah. tell me if I've told you this story before, because I can never remember who I've told anything to. It's, <laughs> thanks, it's the ADHD. No, it's an absolutely fantastic film um, that I think uh, Guillermo also wrote. I have to double check oh, no. because I didn't fact check news. before I did this. I'm, this just mostly was uh, memory, and I hope that I did well. But um, Nero, <laughs> if you ever listened to this episode, thank you so much for making these amazing movies. Um, God, would you would you consider Pan's Labyrinth a horror movie, or would that just mean more of like a thriller drama? I got really? I I always got, I always got more of a fantasy with vibe elements from of it, horror. But it's been a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like I mean, all of his of movies have horror, horror elements, like, even the if they're not considered straight up horror movies. Yes. I mean, I would I would love to see him. Crimson Peak's a gothic Crimson romance, Peak. okay, and that's why it bombed because people thought they were getting a. It's a movie. gothic romance. Anyway, not that I'm mad about it or anything, because Crimson Peak is yeah, fucking not... awesome. But like, I would love to. see... But. What? I feel like that one picture. Uh, I was like, I feel like that one picture of like the kid that's like standing there angrily, <laughs> like his head like pushed into the wall, and the walls caved in. And I'm just like, oh, it's yeah. not. It's not a horror. He even explicitly stated that it's not a horror film. It's a gothic romance, uh-huh. like with just horror elements into it. And I'm just like, <laughs> learn come to on, read, me. y'all. But <laughs> <laughs> read the room. God. Oh, okay, good. My cat left because she was like, um, we sure are. Uh, they're not paying attention to me. I'm leaving. I'm going to go bother someone else for my food. <laughs> um, so is not Crows really. <laughs> it's, it's a gay not, film? I'm going to be real with you, Chief. That's no. There's <laughs> <laughs> like, the only, the only like, Get me real. things I got out of it is like, Thematically, you could argue, but it wouldn't be really make sense for this one. But like thematically, I just, like <laughs> gay people are also obsessed with their youth and appearance. Like you could explore something like that, but that doesn't really happen in this movie. <laughs> um, I also True. just I was like, you know, begging for scraps here, and I'm like, what if Ron Perlman's just like a disaster gay? And like then he when he should <laughs> not like seen with this turtleneck. I'm like, oh. That's a, that's a gay turtleneck my guy but like, also like I guess if you're into like old man titties there's a lot of that so like but that's pretty much all I got on this one bro <laughs> it's a oh. yeah it's a, I mean <laughs> there's nothing it's wrong with that I have plenty though. of straight friends there's nothing wrong with being straight you guys <laughs> um yeah 
know, some, you know what, folks? Sometimes we're just going to cover movies that we want to watch, and there's not going to be any gay elements to them, and I can pull something out of my ass, but I'd rather not. Uh. It's like, I'm, I'm like the, not trying to like reach oh for anything. It's not like this is like the Lost Boys. <gasps> yeah, exactly. There's been plenty of gay vampire films. This one just ain't it. And one, maybe one day we'll cover one. Um... Oh, for sure. Oh, we will. We will. We cover just did gay cannibal, film. so we just gotta, you know, give us some space. And okay? no, it will not be interview with a vampire. Yeah, we have to do some movies that are not obviously gay because it would be kind of tiring to do. Just like as much as we love to talk about, so, yeah, some, some of the best, are. some of the best horror movies are unfortunately not all straight, of them are. So, like, we're gonna have to. even if they are our favorites. But the good news is, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next week we will we'll, be covering a really good one. We're gonna start trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, let you folks in that are listening on what we're gonna do the next week. And next week, I'm happy to announce we're gonna be doing Rope, Woo! the film that was banned in some cities for being too fucking gay, which is a yes. goal of mine. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is the ally. I mean, not really. Don't don't say that. <laughs> 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 not at all. No, no, and just like <laughs> it's. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, next week we will see you all. Uh, you can watch Rope to prepare or not if you just want to hear my take on it. Uh, yes. But everyone, have a good week. This has been okay. Stop Horror Time. I'm Kate, and I am L. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.